welcome to Shall We Watch, an extension of the One Ticket Four podcast. I am your host, Taylor, and I am joined by my husband, Daniel. We're back. We're back. It has been quite some time. Yeah. Um, not that people are really following this podcast or anything. I've, I've gotten a lot of uh, both like worried and angry letters from fans really? asking, you know, when is the next pod going to drop? Oh, my gosh. Have we gotten like death threats? <laughs> like, if you don't drop another podcast, too, I will <laughs> come and kill all your family or something. <laughs> we, we Yes. we. I mean, there was one of those. It, I submitted it, but that was you know, ah. mostly a, a joke. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we have been gone for a little while now. Um, and there's reason to it. One, you know, life gets in the way. Um, this is not our full-time job, in case some of you are not aware of that. Um, we do work outside of this. Um, we also, as a reminder to some of you, we have a baby. But also, I just really wanted to update our podcast a little bit more. Um, and if you can't tell already... Um, we have new microphones, actually. Um, so our sound quality is significantly better, which I'm super happy about. Well, we think it is. We don't know because we, we can't really <laughs> hear ourselves right now. But yeah, it, it, I mean, we we went through <laughs> a few different rounds of purchasing different microphones that for one re reason or another, some of them, well, all of them didn't work except for the two that we've settled on right now. And mm -hmm. so, and even then, you know, again, it, we're not <laughs> experts in in like sound equipment or what we would exactly need. And so we, we went through a little bit of a uh, struggle there. Um, and unfortunately for all of you out there, we, you know, in our attempts to uh, test other versions of our equipment, you know, we did record actually an interim podcast, which was dedicated to the wonderful film, uh, The Pope's Exorcist, uh, you know, pinnacle certainly of, of Russell Crowe's career. Um, and, and unfortunately, and it was some of the best, podcasting i think that anyone has ever done let alone you know just just us in our brief time here so um you know unfortunately that is lost to time it's going to be one of those you know things that we look back on maybe it's in the you know in the annals of history when they're talking about the history of podcasts and what are the great ones that that we lost that might be uh, among them it's uh what we would consider the lost podcast episode which come to think of it if this podcast ever takes off um and we have like a fandom that we can do like a trivia contest with and give away like some prize or something like that would be a great like question for people to answer <laughs> they can guess what the lost podcast episode was about yeah the prize will be we'll, we'll just give you the recording of, of yeah. that episode yeah. <laughs> the poor recording yeah. which just to uh even more talk about our uh microphone journey um we actually when we first started this podcast we were only using one microphone we were both sharing one microphone which uh I mean, they could probably tell. They could, you, you definitely, you can definitely tell. So now we have two mics, which, you know, I just feel super legit now that we're, I feel like we're actually podcasters now that we're both talking into our own individual microphones. So. Yeah. And I will say now we, we're actually like set up now in our little bar. So we have a little, yeah. little room that's a, a bar area, has like a record player, all that stuff, and two, two chairs that we have here. And so, and the rest of the, and so the light in the bar is on and the rest of the lights in the house are, are off. And so it's kind of like we're on a stage. Yeah. Um, with the audience being like the spider that's on the ceiling over there, yeah. um, really, and, and our sleeping baby in the next room. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think this is a this is a pretty decent setup for us. So I'm excited. I'm excited too, and excited to be back. You know, we uh, it's been again several weeks since we've recorded, and we actually haven't even spoken at all in in that time. Nope. Uh, <laughs> you know, off we we reserve our speaking for when we're actually recording. So yeah. how, how have you been? I I've, I've been good. 
good yeah. yeah how's how's motherhood going well you know can't complain I mean, you could but <laughs> could. Uh, yeah. but apparently i'm not i'm not allowed to so. yeah I, I mean i fall on deaf ears i yeah <laughs> um so anyways we're back we're very excited um not so sure how excited we are about the movie we're talking about today. Um, if you guys haven't guessed from the title already, we're talking about Disney's The Little Mermaid 2023 came out earlier this year in May. I think it came out in theaters and it just came to Disney Plus uh, in the last couple of weeks. We're recording this on September 16th, Saturday, September 16th. So it's been out on Disney Plus for a couple of weeks now and we got around to watching it yesterday. Um, we sure did. We sure did. Yeah. Um, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about the movie. We're going to talk about, you know, the Disney live action phenomenon that's happened in the last, like, what, 10 years, 15 years that Disney's been doing this trend. Yeah. I mean, I think they've, they've, there are obviously examples going back to like the nineties, right. With like 101 Dalmatians and starting there, but definitely it's been a larger part of their, uh, strategy Mm -hmm. in the last decade, um, with (laughs) very mixed results. And so, yeah, yeah, we can get into all that. I mean, I <clears throat> wasn't particularly excited to watch the movie. Um, as know. you, I don't know if I was either. I feel like part of me was, but then as we were getting down to watch it, I just really didn't care too much about it. I don't know. Well, you're a big fan. I, I would say, well, correct me if I'm wrong, is the 1989 animated version your favorite animated Disney, at least from that era of Disney? So I would say for a long time, um, especially in my childhood, teen yeah, years, I, mean, I think it was, I think at that, in that time, it was my favorite Disney yeah, movie. Yeah, when I, I met I had, you, you were all about that movie. Oh like yeah, I, I had the red hair, I had the swooping bangs, like I was all, I was all about that, but didn't obviously. did you play Ariel or was that not it, like at a kid's birthday part or am I misremembering uh, this? <laughs> Um, that was a, uh, part-time job that I had where I was, uh, dressing up as Disney characters. I predominantly played Ariel as Disney characters for little kids' birthday parties. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a similar part-time job. I, I was a hired goon, uh, at kids' birthday parties <laughs> and it was, you know, I didn't really get a lot of, um, Did you, you know, have the work. whole, uh, ensemble of the goon with the, uh, what are those things called? Suspenders, suspenders, and all yeah, that. yeah, coat, suspenders, the whole thing, yeah, yeah. So you, I mean, you have a, you have obviously an affection for. I do, and I still this. do love the movie to this day. I don't think I would consider it my favorite Disney movie as of today, but I do still. It still holds a super, super strong um, piece of my heart for sure. Yeah, but Bolt is obviously. <laughs> yeah, obviously John one. Travolta's Bolt. <laughs> yeah, naturally. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I got. I kind of do just want to talk about the movie as much as we could talk about it um maybe just like a little comparison between this one and the other one but yeah i do want (laughs) to mostly talk about um just the whole disney live action and maybe we can talk about even like what some of our favorites are as well too if we did have some favorites yeah i i I don't have not gonna lie i don't have a lot to say about the movie um (laughs) at least not a lot positive but uh, i don't while we were watching it because i'm not i've obviously seen the animated version i'm just not so well versed in it that i could really pinpoint like i was turning to you several times throughout the Mm -hmm. movie like is that what happens in the cartoon is that different so you know i'll let you speak to (laughs) to those similarities or differences as they as they are yeah 
Well, I did write a couple different notes. So I, in case, just in case, um, we've never talked about this before in previous recordings, but we're not really like taking like a lot of notes during these movies, whether we're watching them at home or if we're in theaters, I'm taking like little notes here and there just so that way I personally can remember some things going into talking about the movies in here. I don't know. You've never really been like a note taker since we started doing this. Um, but mm, yeah, I, I figure <laughs> I'll just, you know, whatever comes to mind is yeah. what I'll bring up. But it definitely, I should probably be a little bit more prepared, I would say, for, for certain <laughs> conversations. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you run with it with uh, what your notes were. All right. Well, my first note that I had here, and this is really, it was not even five minutes into the movie that I wrote this note down that the underwater CGI looks off. Like uh, well, a lot off. Well, I I, th- I feel like you're there's a part of that word missing, which is the full part. It looks awful. It, yes. it, it just it looked like a, a video game from like the you know two thousands. Yeah, really... like Finding Nemo, which was what in two thousand two, two thousand three. Um, that looked more like a real underwater like scene than this movie did. It, there was just something really, really bad about it. And I think you had mentioned while we were watching the movie that it was a shame that this movie came out after Avatar 2. Yeah. I mean, after after watching Avatar The Way of Water, obviously you can't, you know, that movie is, they, they've been making it for 15 years and it its budget, even though this movie's budget was also exorbitant, mm-hmm. but that, you know, Avatar's budget was even more higher. And so there's not like, and, and James Cameron is a master of craft, but still it's not, if that's the the pinnacle of what you can get, I don't think Disney is even meeting its own bar. Like yeah. to your point, like there are other examples in their filmography, both distant and recent, that mm-hmm. you know that looks better than this. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. And it, it's like so the budget is the budget for this movie was estimated to be around 250 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, where is that money going if not to the CG? I don't fully understand. I don't either. I mean, I feel like they should have just taken some like nature videos from like National Geographic and plugged that in here for yeah, a lot of the I scenes. It's just the way their hair was moving underwater. It just yeah. thought, it, And even especially when we're interacting with Ariel, King Triton, um, even Scuttle. Or, oh, oh we'll, we'll talk about Scuttle in a second. Uh, Flounder, <laughs> all those things. Um everyone who was underwater basically just looked very off. Um, and especially like, did it seem to you that a lot of the mer people, so like Ariel for one, uh, King Triton, all the sis, all the sisters, all the mer people, like they looked like they had a very like flattened look about them underwater. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It was very, very strange and very off putting throughout the whole movie for me. It, maybe does some disservice to i mean they literally are flat in their appearance mm-hmm. and so whatever nuance there could be in their performances was lost um you know through because of that i, mm-hmm. I don't i don't know it, it's but yeah that's i agree with that point yeah for sure <laughs> one thing i will say about this movie is that when it came to ariel played by Halle Bailey, I have to remember to say Halle Bailey because I'm sure she's gotten a lot of people calling her Halle Berry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she actually was very, very good in this movie. I think she won. I think she's a beautiful voice. Um, 
I think she was uh, a great choice to play Ariel in this. I just, I wish that, I don't know. I, I just wish that they did her a little bit better justice visually in the movie. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, her, there was her singing is definitely, I think, on point, mm -hmm. um, if not quite as. I think part of the problem with the performance is, like you said, that when you're watching her, especially with, um, what's the name of the song that she sings? Part, part of, of your, your world. world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that's such an iconic song. Mm -hmm. And there are moments, especially when she's above the surface, I think when she's singing those parts. But it just, it detracted, at least in my mind, from what she was doing. Did you know that back in the 1989 version, that song was almost cut from the movie entirely? I did not. Yeah. So I actually make sure I fact check a lot of my Disney <laughs> facts this time. But yeah, I'm um, I don't quite remember the true details of it, but it was one of like the later on decisions when they were doing cuts for the movie trying to shorten it down to I think like the 90 minutes that it is now um they wanted to originally cut that song from it and I'm so happy that they didn't because now that's one of the most iconic Disney songs of at least our generation. Yeah, of any generation. Yeah. I, would say. yeah. I mean, Jody Benson wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for that song. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I liked I liked Halle Bailey a lot as her. Um we're introduced um uh, at one point to King Triton played by Javier Bardem, great phenomenal actor. He looks like Nicolas Cage with a beard in this movie. I don't know what it is. Well, <laughs> <laughs> especially like after Nicolas Cage did pig with that long hair and the long beard. I just kept thinking of that image of him whenever I saw Javier Bardem as King Triton. Um, but I was pretty disappointed. I remember telling you that I was pretty disappointed with his uh, performance in this movie. I, I just felt it was very flat in comparison to the Disney movie where King Triton in that movie. I mean, the the movie The Little Mermaid from 1989 to me, it's it's always resonated as a father-daughter relationship movie. A headstrong daughter, overprotective father. It's very much a common trope as um we, you had mentioned to me before. Um that's what this movie was always kind of about to me and it, to me the relationship between him and Halle Bailey um just it didn't seem authentic. And he was also just didn't have any emotion at all. His, even his anger emotion didn't have any kind of rage or frustration in in it at all. And the times that he said he felt sad, like he was supposed to be feeling sad, he was still just so very. He he reminded me a lot of his character in No Country for Old Men, yeah, yeah. where he had no emotion at all. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, um, where where's the 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 longing? Like, oh my god, I hurt my daughter's feelings. Look and. I don't know. I, that's what the Little Mermaid needed was a little bit of Anton Chigurh, uh injected into it. I, I mean, I agree. I think you know, I could kind of, kind of see him in in those moments. Obviously, reading the lines that he's given, and you know, maybe wondering if this is really worth it. <laughs> For obviously, you know, there's there's money to be had, and he he doesn't have anything to prove to anyone. But uh, yeah, it it was a little bit lackluster. But I, I think the the bigger problem is maybe your point, like the way that their relationship is framed is a little bit strange. Like there is no that should be the heart of it, even though it is ostensibly a love story with Eric, who has always been, you know, Prince Eric is kind of like always a boring mm -hmm. character, <laughs> even from the animated movie, and, and definitely in this one, he's just man. His I'm you know, I'm sure you're going to mention it, like his song. 
they, they there's a, a new song that they wrote for him a ballad that, that Lin, was Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote yeah Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote a couple of new songs and this song was just the most I would say it's just the most nothing song it was so boring I even while I was listening to it I couldn't remember it no like, it, it was just there was no musicality to it there was nothing it was strange the thing I remember about that song that he sings is that there was a lot of a sounds that he was doing like a lot of like really weird like gaspy sounding things where he's trying to sound like he's putting like so much effort into it and maybe he was but i yeah i could not tell you what that song was about why that song was in there i love lin-manuel miranda um i'm a big in the heights fan i'm a big hamilton fan so many people are um and i feel like as soon as disney like brought him up to do that was it mary poppins returns that he was in Uh uh-huh Oh, and he was also he also wrote the songs for Moana. He's done a lot of stuff for Disney. Yeah, he's. And their... I feel I feel like Disney's like really overworking him, like because I think you even mentioned it when there's because there's a couple other songs besides the one that Prince Eric sings. There's a song that Ariel is singing in her head. Um, it's after she loses her voice and whatnot. Mm. That you can just tell they're Lin Manuel Miranda songs. Like he had like there's such a trope right now. Like there's a there's a theme to his kind of music, which is great. But when you have a musical written by like another composer the, the great alan menken and howard ashman wrote the little mermaids music together um when you have that but then you throw in like something more modern like Manuel miranda style it it just it you can tell it, it didn't mesh there me. yeah they're dissonant there's a clash there that doesn't work well i don't think mm-hmm. especially you know the 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 scuttlebutt song <laughs> is the one that i think people are offended by it and i i can you know i actually kind of like before i saw it in the movie i know it's a it's one of those songs that kind of just gets in your head and Mm -hmm. it is catchy in that way i don't even like dislike it as a song but it also kind of doesn't fit in the movie no and i felt like the placement of where it was in the movie was really like off especially for the scene that we were going into next um it, it was the scene that you know the that ursula dressed up as the fake Ariel. Yeah. I think her name is Vanessa or something in the um in the movie. Um it's before she discovers that she's there and she potentially loses Eric. So it just didn't feel like it was a good place to put that song. But also you were telling me yesterday that scuttlebutt is an actual like term for gossip. I'm fairly certain it is. I, because, let me uh, let me confirm because this, that would make I, so much more sense I, for I think it is. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's where that's where the scuttle came from, right? Isn't that how he got his name in the first place? It's kind of a play on... Okay, I've seen the Little Mermaid animated movie many, many times. Scuttle's never really... I don't believe Scuttle was ever really one to do, like, be a gossip. But what is... Is he not framing the story? He's telling something. He's telling a story. He does that in the ride. You he said this yesterday, he but He doesn't I'm, do it in the movie. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm positive. But what does he do in the movie? In the movie. So, okay, because well, this is actually a good thing because it brings me into one of the things I want to talk about with Scuttle. Um, so in the movie, when Ariel meets Scuttle, first in the which, animated movie. Which movie? Yeah, you're talking about. In the animated about, movie. Okay. Ariel and Flounder, after like being chased by the shark and whatnot, go up to the surface uh-huh. to talk to Scuttle, who is inside of his little nest and he's playing with the um, telescope kind of thing. The spyglass. Yeah, spyglass. So that's all on the surface. 
so he's there basically to tell Ariel what human things are. Oh, she takes the fork she, to him. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. the Dinglehopper. Yeah. Which he didn't. I don't remember if she even called him that in the movie. What it, I don't it, understand it is in this this movie, this 2023 live action movie, Scuttle somehow goes very deep down underwater to get a fish, which also weird that they're showing Scuttle eating a fish and then Flounder's like right there. Well, that. I know that's what they do, but it's just weird in this kind of movie. But Scuttle, again, dives very deep down underwater to do this. And then she's, and Scuttle is played by Aquafina, and it's a she in this movie, stays down there to have a whole, that whole conversation about what the fork is, what the pipe is, and all these things. Seagulls don't breathe underwater. They don't have gills. How is she doing this? They also don't sing songs and... They don't talk to mermaids because there probably aren't a lot of mermaids to talk to. Okay, that's a very fair point. But if they're going to go to the point, like to the point where humans have to hold their breath underwater, I mean, I would also think that a bird that breathes on land and doesn't have gills would that those same rules would also apply to them underwater. You would think maybe they just figured our underwater, you know work is so great we should maximize the uh, amount of screen time we spend underneath the water that's actually how it comes off <laughs> as to me <laughs> um so that was a really big um pet peeve of mine i was just like why is scuttle underwater <laughs> why is she talking underwater um i actually did like aquafina as scuttle though in the movie i thought she had some pretty funny parts um just it was very it was very Aquafina. i think if though. you yeah if you like aquafina and then you're probably going to be okay with it. If you don't she, like Aquafina, which I know some people don't, yeah. as you know, like she, everything else. She kind of has like the Seth Rogen vibe when it comes to voice acting. Have you noticed that? Like where if you're going to have Aquafina in a movie as a voice actor, you're going to get Aquafina. It's like if you hire Seth Rogen to be a voice actor in a movie, you're going to get Seth Rogen. Definitely. They don't <laughs> do voices. They do their own voice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's enough. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which I, I like that. Um yeah, and the Divi Diggs played Sebastian. I thought he did okay. I didn't he, really, I didn't really like his version of it was under the yeah. Sea. I mean, that, that was that was the song that took the biggest hit. I think mm -hmm. from the original to this, it was uh, from it, it just was not there on was par. No I fish think playing instruments. It just wasn't everything. It, it the whole thing is so muted compared mm -hmm. to the cartoon. It's so very and again, not, we can talk about it when we talk about the broader implications of this movie or, or just the continued like narrative that this is perpetuating for Disney. But I thought, you know, the first, if the cartoon is colorful and joyous and, and vibrant and all these things, um, this movie was pretty much like dead in the water, really like even just aesthetically. Visually, yeah. yeah. It, it's interesting. And then even with songs like that, um, and maybe I don't know if you want to like, obviously we mentioned Ursula that she's the other, Big piece here. Yeah. Melissa McCarthy plays her in the movie. I thought pretty well. Um, I liked her in yeah, it. Yeah, she was okay. Even her seeing Poor Unfortunate Souls, which, you know, she's your favorite Disney villain. She is. There's something, <laughs> there's just something alluring. You're attracted to her. <laughs> I'm not attracted to her. Don't, you don't have to make it a perverse thing, but there is something, she's just, uh, She's very captivating. Yeah, yeah. There's something you know. I can see why. Yeah. Uh, so. I think I think she did a very good job for you know what she was given. I thought her singing "Poor Unfortunate Souls" was actually really good because it was very angsty. It was very like 
jazzy kind of um, to the credit of the, I think her name was Pat Carroll um, who played Ursula's voice. And she, I think she died recently this year. Um, But I did not like how she looked in the movie. I did not like her outfit at all. I thought that her long sleeve thing, which Ursula doesn't have that, which I, I get, you know, you can have a little bit of a difference in like clothing and whatnot. But I also just thought that her makeup was really not that great in this. I thought that it was too on the nose. It was almost as if like if she was going to play Ursula in like the Disney parks. Yeah. That was the kind of look that it looked like to me. That's fair. I mean, it's hard to... Yeah. When you're dealing with perfection, how do you Mm -hmm. recreate that? And this is no like discredit to her makeup artist by any means because they obviously have to go through like they come up with the looks and then it's the creative director of the movie who does like the final okay on like what um, a person's going to look like in the film. So they did the best they could with the options that they had. And yeah, I thought she did okay in it. Flounder was flounder. (laughs) <laughs> Flounder was not even, I, I barely even knew he was in the movie. Yeah. And he just looks like a dumb fish. Uh, he does. Again, he is a dumb fish. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he just looks like a fish, which is not at all appealing to either a childlike sensibility or mm-hmm. uh, whatever my my sensibility is. Like, I, I didn't particularly, yeah. you know, Flounder is cute in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. He's adorable. Yeah. He's a guppy. <laughs> sure. He's a gup. Yeah. Guppy. He's, a, he's actually a flounder, but he's big, he's a guppy because he's a, a scaredy cat. <laughs> yeah. Scaredy fish. Is a guppy a fish? I think so. I don't know what Guppy is. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's our, that's the cast of characters. That's kind of what we thought about them. I mean, there were, there were some newer characters in this movie. Um, there was apparently Prince Eric has a mom in this movie, which is interesting. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, I didn't think that that was necessarily needed. Um, I'm mad that there was not a chef Louis in this movie. Cause Le Poissons is like one of the best songs in the movie, and it's hilarious to watch a human chef chase around a crab in a kitchen. Yeah, that's a that, that's a big hole, I think. Yeah, um, it would have been a nice little uh, comedic relief just to get a little laugh into it. Yeah, was the movie funny? I mean, I, I mean, like I said, Aquafina gave me a couple chuckles, but not really. Yeah, and just like the kiss the girl scene and that whole sequence, oh. I guess. Another one where they didn't have any other fish in it. Like in the animated movie, they had frogs, they had flamingos. Yeah. And it was just the three of them. And it's it's bizarre. Like what again? I don't know what the while we were watching it, I remember I think it was near the end of the movie, and I kind of turned to you. I'm like, this is kind of making me rethink whether the the animated movie is even particularly good Mm -hmm. Uh, in terms in terms of story. Like it just just nothing. It just felt so vacuous and just, I don't know what else to say other than just a waste of all of this effort Mm -hmm. and all of the talent behind it. Because there's obviously talent behind this and and it's unfortunate that, and I guess this speaks to the broader problem. It's like, obviously Disney's in this mode of like, we just want to be safe right with our Mm -hmm. choices if we're going to invest all this money into something we want to make sure that it's a blockbuster and that strategy has by and large worked yeah uh, with with the other live action remakes they've done a lot of them have made north of a billion dollars um and this is obviously one of their biggest um ips and so uh, 
it stood to reason that this would follow a similar kind of success and and it did not and i think part of that is you know it it just maybe people are going weary of that strategy mm-hmm. and that's definitely a big part of it and it also plays into other other areas disney has had a horrible summer as yeah. a as on the whole this and we can talk worst... about that yeah. but like but just with this movie in particular it's like i don't think i think the problem is that the movie isn't particularly good uh and and that also makes it suffer because even if people were tired of it if there was momentum even just from like the critical reception and the word of mouth people saying hey this is really good rendition or this is something is special about this there's nothing special about this in my opinion there is just it is the it's like the uh it's as if we envision or are trying not to envision rather a future wherein like AI is tasked with uh, producing the the entertainment that we consume, mm-hmm. and this movie I think is is a frightening vision of what that might look like in the sense that there is just zero creativity really behind it. It's entirely churned out by a, a machine intent on just rehashing and replaying things to an audience that is craving that nostalgia and hoping that they're gonna eat it all up again mm-hmm. uh, and. And, you know, obviously that's a big issue what's going on right now with the with the strikes that are ongoing that I've been, yeah. you know, again, to reiterate, like our our support for, for the artists who create the content mm-hmm. and, and who deserve to get fair pay. Um, and, and this movie, again, not to like disparage the people who worked on it because there are artists and, and people, crafts people, everyone who's like kind of put their their time and effort into this uh project but it is also like from the top yeah it's not something that i think uh is is worthy of like the legacy that disney himself and and that the company has kind of built its like reputation on it's it's pretty yeah i definitely think that if you were to watch this movie and you have seen the original disney little mermaid there's really no comparison as to which one is the one that has more heart to it, has more, just overall as a better movie, it, it definitely is the original one. And it, it, this can kind of go into what we wanted to talk about was the impact these remakes have had because as I think a lot of us feel that a lot of these remakes have not been very successful as far as reprising that nostalgia that we do feel for the original movies. Some of them have done really well, but I think for the majority of them, they have really miss the mark on trying to recreate that same spark that we have when we've seen those original movies. Yeah. It's not even that they're and I Disney. I don't think Disney necessarily cares whether they're a good recreation or recapturing of the magic that the originals had, as long as they're making money oh, yeah, clearly, right <laughs> from it. Cause that, that's the whole point. But I think what we've seen this year from them in a, well, let's start at the beginning of the year, right? They they had, when you look at it, the movies that they've had, so there was uh, Ant-Man and the Quantumania, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the, the subtitle. But the third Ant-Man movie, Ant-Man movie. Um, <laughs> okay, that, that underperformed. That didn't do particularly no. well. And then you had Guardians, the Galaxy 3. Mm-hmm which was critically successful and commercially successful so that was that was good but that's mm-hmm. also you know a, kind of a 
swan song for that franchise. And mm-hmm. so uh, obviously the, depart- the departure of um, James Gunn and everything we know that's gone, gone on with that um, story. So there was that. And then The Little Mermaid, uh, you know, big budget, $250 mm-hmm. million. Dollars. That's without like uh, marketing and, and distribution and all those other extra costs. And so the movie itself made about $570 million worldwide, which is sounds like a big number, but it's really not. not. Really. Uh, and then you had Elementals, which, again, one of the lowest opening Pixar movies uh, on opening weekend. And it had like a longer tail, so it ended up making about $300 million, which is decent, but still, you know, losing money overall because mm-hmm. of how expensive the movie is. Then you had Indiana Jones 5, which again, <laughs> I forgot about you're, that you're, you're bringing back this old franchise that was supposed to be a big thing it petered out at like 300 million or so uh, which or 365 million the movie cost 300 million dollars to make so overall like the numbers i'm seeing is like that disney throughout and then i didn't mention a haunted mansion also it had a relative to the other ones a smaller budget around 140 million mm-hmm. but still because it didn't perform particularly well is is going to lose money as well. So all on all these movies all told this year so far, Disney has lost an estimated 900 million dollars across these movies that are underperforming and so you know what is behind that? It's it's like a, obviously there's a, a lot of factors going on. Yeah. Um I think the first one that I the, I would say is like thinking about something like Quantumania. Mm-hmm. Um it's that in a post end game world, I think a lot of people were really invested in the MCU up until that point and mm-hmm. Endgame represented as its title suggests a perfect ending point for people who had followed that those story arcs over the course of 10 years and so for me it was a perfect like summation of, of everything mm-hmm. and I kind of lost interest and I think based on everything we've seen with the box office and their kind of inability to regain that momentum other people have felt the same way yeah we kind of talked a little bit about this in our guardians podcast how it's kind of nice to see that guardians is like now officially like done they're not disney's not going to kick a dead horse and try to keep like pushing that they might oh they 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 definitely will i mean they've been doing that since endgame happened where they're just trying to make these uh disney plus um, tv shows um all these other like expansions on the mcu it's like yeah, it's exactly that we, you know, Endgame was the perfect ending to, like you said, a 10-year saga of building something incredible. I mean, you've said it yourself that the uh, Infinity War and Endgame are like the biggest, like, what did you say? They were like the biggest movies of our... Well, I was calling it at the time somewhat hyperbolically, but not. Uh, it was the movie event of our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, little did I know that Barbenheimer was yet to come. <laughs> That's true so, too. That's um, true. This was like what 2019. That yeah, this happened. Yeah, 2019. But, and before a lot of stuff happened. So, yeah. So you have you have that thread going on, mm-hmm. and then with the remakes, um, Star Wars included. Star. It's just they're with Star Wars in particular. I mean, they're just inundating us with content like it's Mm -hmm. all these disney plus shows everything can we take a break can Mm -hmm. we just pump the brakes here because what made star wars great little in addition to the fact that the original trilogy you know was they were fantastic it was that it was a scarcity it's Mm -hmm. like anything else like if you just if something is good 
but there's not a lot of it, people clamor for it yeah. and they get excited when something new comes of it. Mm -hmm. But when you keep on giving us two, three, four different versions of this same kind of story in this same universe every year, it cheapens the brand. In the same way, speaking of cheapening the brand, that like Disney cheapened its own brand by pushing Disney Plus mm -hmm. as a vehicle to host their content. And even my phrasing content is a cheapening of because you know movies obviously there's their content but i you know when you hear content i think youtube content i yeah. think tiktok these kind of things that aren't the same like this is this is not this is an elevated form mm -hmm. of obviously of that the highest form so you know when they decide throughout the pandemic to you know we're going to release our pixar movies on disney plus well now you're training your audience that you don't have to go out and see these movies in a theater and when you do release them in theaters and no one shows up, who's to blame? It's I don't know. We haven't watched Elementals yet. That came out this week on Disney Plus, and we're gonna watch it. We'll probably record a podcast about that. But like, so it's not a judgment on the quality of that movie, but yeah. it's just we waited, and obviously our circumstances are a little bit different, mm -hmm. but not so much. I mean, we went and saw Oppenheimer. Yeah. I went and saw it three times. Mm -hmm. We went and saw Barbie. We've seen a bunch of movies this year, just mm -hmm. not as many as we would if we weren't new parents, but yeah. like we're picking and choosing, but we're not picking and choosing Disney because we know that if we just wait a month and a half or two months, yeah. we can just watch it on Disney Plus and save ourselves mm -hmm. a time. We know we're a part of the problem too. <laughs> it's, I mean, Disney, but <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. Disney has kind of created this problem for themselves yeah. because they decided you know, Bob Iger, uh, prior to his, and that's a whole other issue yeah. with the Igers <laughs> and Big Bob and Little Bob. And there was a fantastic uh, article about this in C or CNBC article about the saga of the CEO with Bob Iger and then Bob Chapek and then subsequently Bob Iger again. And it was like a, I don't know how many, it took me like an hour to read this article. So it was quite lengthy, but really interesting read if you are, are interested in kind of the machinations of of you know this kind of corporate you know issue yeah. that they're they're trying to work through but um th they decided that they were going to kind of go all in on streaming and act like a tech company mm -hmm. uh and care about subscriber growth and that's not what disney ever has been it, it's not a tech company they're they're inherently different things mm -hmm. what apple and amazon and even Netflix do is very different from what the traditional movie studios have done and how they've been able to operate. And so it just, they kind of shot themselves in the foot. And now here they are saying, well, not a good time for the writers to go on strike and the actors go on strike because we're still struggling to get people back in the theaters. Well, Who's whose fault, fault is that? Is that? <laughs> Excuse me. You, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. I, I don't <laughs> want to get myself all riled up here, but like, just... <laughs> You know, I, I'm not happy that these movies are not making money, but on some level, if we as, a, as consumers, the only thing we have to vote with is our wallet. The only thing that matters mm -hmm. to them is people voting with their wallets or not voting with their wallets. So if we're not giving them the money, maybe they have to rethink their strategy, whether that's like the budgets that they're allocating to some of these movies, whether that's the kind of movies they're producing themselves the kind of like uh again do you want like just to reproduce the same things over and over again or are you gonna maybe invest in some new storytelling and mm -hmm. eventize movies instead of cheapening them by putting them on disney plus 
a month after they're out. That's like, you know. What was even the last original thing that Disney has done? Maybe Strange World or Planet. What was the? Strange Planet? Strange World? Was it Strange World? Wasn't yeah, that, oh, no, Strange was, Planet is that TV show on Apple Yeah, Plus. no, Strange World? Strange you watched World. it. Yeah, I did. I didn't watch it. But again, that, yeah. that, that's not a good example of, of, well, it doesn't support my theory just because that was an original movie that did yeah. not do well either. Yeah, I mean, that's um, that's the other thing too. But no, it, it's just, um, I, I don't even know what to say, honestly, because it is really just like, you know, now we're just kind of waiting for the next live action Disney movie, which I don't know. I've heard that Taron Egerton might be playing Hercules in the live action Hercules. Taren. Apparently, Lupita Nyong'o is up for uh, playing Tiana, live-action Tiana. Now they're at, they're, there is an actual live-action Moana coming into making, which Moana only came out like like in 2016. So Yeah, it's getting ridiculous now. I mean, at least let – at least can we wait a decade before we start to remake movies mm-hmm. in live-action? It's, it's just frustrating, and I, I just – I just don't care. I, I don't. I don't care about really anything that Disney mm-hmm. puts out there anymore. Even though, I mean, I've historically been a, a fan of, of Disney stuff. I think not like a crazy fan. I'm not all about them or, or anything like that. But I, I, I like a wide range of movies, um, and I definitely Pixar has has been consistently, you know, some one of my most uh, respected. Oops. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, studios or, or, you know, companies out there. Um, and that's another one too, though, is that when it comes to Toy Story and movies that like their own original stories, well, I guess Pixar original stories that have been successful, now they are just creating a bunch of sequels to it. I mean, what we had Toy Story 3, which was supposed to be like the perfect ending to the saga of Toy Story. And then we had Toy Story 4 that came out recently, which I didn't hate, but I didn't also think it was necessary. And now they're talking, now Toy Story 5 is in the making. Yeah. It's like, how much, how much longer are we going to kick this dead horse until we're like satisfied with it? But I guess they, because people went to the theaters to go see it. Did it go in the theaters? Toy Story 4? Yeah. Yeah. It I, did, I, it did fairly well. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're, I mean, it, the, those movies, there's diminishing returns for sure. Mm-hmm. Toy Story 4 was not as good as the previous movies, but I, I still liked it. I, um, But should they keep going with it? I No, but will they? Of course. They're going to keep making movies until mm-hmm. these movies, until people just don't go to see them anymore. And and I don't know what's going to happen at that point. I mean, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll have to make something. I mean, did, Pixar has had, you know, Turning Red was original, very good. I, 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 I liked Luca. I, I liked Soul. So... Pixar is still churning out, you know, original movies and mm-hmm. ideas. Uh, Elementals being another one. Again, we haven't seen it, but um, I'm ex- I'm glad that they're still doing that. And they have th- another movie coming out this year, right? I don't remember the name. Uh, but oh, it's, it's a, the Space yeah, one? Yeah. But that, that I mean, seems cute. cute. Uh, yeah. And so at least they're a little bit, there's a bit more of a balance with Pixar mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, we're going to give you a light year or give you a, heaven forbid a cars four or whatever they're going to do. Um, but like, but we're going to intersperse it with these other like original ideas. And so. No, for sure. I think, um, no, here's the thing is that when, when it came to the live action movies, when they really kind of started like creating a lot of live action ones, like, 
for example, when Cinderella came out, mm. Lily James and Cinderella. What I loved about that, what I thought was going to be the theme for some of these other live action remakes were coming out is that there, this was almost like an original retelling of the story. It definitely took a lot of elements from the original animated movie, but it also still really gave it its own story. They had much more development for the princess character um, in that movie. There was a lot more backstory to even um, Kate Planchett as the evil stepmother as well, too. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that, that to me is like one of the best, um, I guess, live action remakes that Disney has done as far as like retelling one of their original movies. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's ways to do it. I think that can be a little bit more interesting where you do like Maleficent. I mean, Maleficent is technically a live action remake of Sleeping Sleeping Beauty, Beauty, but it's told through the lens of the, of the villain, which is an interesting, you know take on how to frame that story mm-hmm. and i i didn't particularly like that movie but i think it's just much more successful at presenting something new whereas this movie with the exception of again a couple of songs that are in my opinion not good mm-hmm. and uh just not and dulling the colors and and making all of the like sea creatures oddly realistic what the heck was the there was just nothing even what was the purpose no not idea. that there's a purpose to any of this other than making money but mm-hmm. at least try something different yeah um, and even more so like i feel like there was a tipping point where was it no because so so john favreau did uh the jungle book the live uh, live action jungle book which yes. i actually loved that yeah, i thought that was I, again it was a retelling of the original movie but it, it had its own story to it yeah I mean, it, it also was a different story entirely. Mowgli had a different uh, dynamic. There was different um, story uh, background before, like Shere Khan, and the ending was very different. He ended up not returning to the human village. He ended up staying with the animals at the end, which was really cool. So I don't, I don't know how it goes from that. And then we got Lion King, which to me is a perfect example of kind of what the problem is now with all of these live action remakes is that it is almost shot for shot line for line retelling of the animated movie. But in, well, in Lion King, Lion King's <laughs> case, it's not really live action. It's CGI, but yeah, you know what and I mean? This is also John Favreau. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the Lion King is interesting. I, I think Lion King, I think it became the highest grossing animated movie of all time, even though it's, supposedly live action yeah but yeah it at least that movie technically is really impressive um and much more successful i think in every way efforts than the little mermaid is but yeah i just don't like what is the purpose anymore it's i don't even know how to like there's a psycho is a big movie right Mm -hmm. alfred hitchcock okay i'll never (laughs) forget like this is a weird thing to move to, but like the Gus Van Sant in like not 1999, sometime in the 90s, uh-huh. made a shot for shot remake of Psycho oh, starring yeah. Vince Vaughn in the Sam Perkins role. Yeah. And then, you know, Anne Hayes. And, and I remember watching that and I was like, why? Like, what? what is this? <laughs> why did you do this? It's not it's zero. I mean, it, at least there, it's like a, it's being sold as like, here's a shot for shot remake with just new actors and. Have you ever seen it? Yeah, I, I watched it <laughs> when I was a kid. Like, I, and I had seen the original Psycho, so 
I guess I was curious. I don't know. I also I, I was in a Gus Van Sant phase or whatever after <laughs> after Goodwill Hunting. Um, but it's like, why do people do this? Like, what's the what's the point to I show? Know. I guess it's like, I mean, if you can recreate, if you're if you're a great enough artist that you can recreate Rembrandt mm-hmm. on a canvas, I guess you can do that. If if you don't like have the the desire to try to create your own original work but what's ultimately the value of that i don't why do i feel like we're always quoting uh jeff jeff goldblum from jurassic park when we're talking about these movies of like just because you can doesn't mean you should whatever whatever that Uh, line is yeah jeff goldblum what a wonderful what a wonderful actor you know too bad he didn't come to our wedding you know, I'm a little bit bitter about that, actually. I was thinking about that because I saw him post that he was on tour in Europe, and I thought, stay there. You know, <laughs> you've lost your America privileges. That's that's what I think. If you're listening to this, Mr. Goldblum, Mr. Goldblum. can you please come to my second wedding? I, excuse me? <laughs> that's not for a while yet. Don't worry. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah, I mean, with these live actions and whatnot, I mean, I we've already talked about how, you know, I think that Cinderella and Jungle Book, I think, are the two best ones as far as, like, adaptations as these should be. They shouldn't be yeah. remakes. They should be adaptations of these. Like, I'm sure so many of you who are listening have also been following the, uh, oh, God, what's her name? Rachel Zegler. Yeah, Snow White. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know how I'm going to feel about that movie. I do want to watch it just to see what this like big change is that she's heart and that she's bashing on the original story and the original Snow White and yeah. saying it better like, be good. It better be good if she's like talking <laughs> just like bombastically about it. Cause that's, that's kind of the thing too, is that I, I see like where they're trying to do a little bit of changes in the movies, like for beauty and the beast, for example, um, in beauty and the beast, um, with Emma Watson, there's so many Emmas mm-hmm. <laughs> in Hollywood, but with Emma Watson's character, um, instead of her father being the inventor, she's the inventor in the movie, which, you know, I kind of thought that was a nice little thing, but it kind of was forgotten in the story because they were trying to go back with the original story. So mm. it's like little choices that they're making just to make some of the characters a little bit more appealing to modern audiences. Yeah, it's fine to try to contemporize it to so that it resonates with today's audience. But then he, again, the issue I think that I have with what Rachel Zegler is, what her strategy is, if there is a strategy behind any of this, which oh, I don't okay. think that there is, um, it just seems like you're just disrespecting the the material that you're supposed to be. I mean, you're supposed to be. I guess you, you can feel about it how you however you want, but when you're selling the movie as a remake of a classic movie that a lot of people have great fondness mm-hmm. for, I don't think you're doing yourself or the project you're working on a favor by like um, basically telling everyone who has reverence for the original, which is the only reason why this project mm-hmm. that you're in is even exists, exists mm-hmm. um, you, that, you know, that the thing that they have held dear their entire lives, that's, you know, a pillar of really the film industry as a whole uh, is um, is crap. If that movie, <laughs> if that Snow White from 1939 was not successful, 
the company would not be what it was today. I mean, Walt Disney put everything, his life savings, his brother's life savings into making that movie. And we wouldn't have anything related to Disney, good or bad today. Yeah. Plus it's also just for, I mean, animation and the history of exactly. both in movies, but also specifically in, in animated film. Yeah, I mean, it was so it's so important mm-hmm. and not to say again, I, that I don't think she's commenting necessarily on that, but more so on the particulars of the story and the dynamics mm-hmm. of the relationship. Well, that's that, kind of what I wanted to bring up as well, too. I know we're kind of, we went from little mermaid talking about this newer one, but one thing that I was reading about when it came to her comments on this is that, you know, the movie came out when the Great Depression was happening. So a lot of people, when they saw Snow White, it gave them a, a little sense of like happiness and hope after like such a, a really terrible time for people to be around. And, and in even the character Snow White herself, a lot of women um, back then were relating to her because of physically how she looked she very much looked like a woman of like their time period i mean she didn't look necessarily like a princess um but this is like their own version of it because they wanted to to keep it relatable so yeah having someone who's like cleaning and taking care and dusting things i mean that's just what women did back then so it was a good way to kind of show a, a, a way to connect to an audience that way it was also Hitler's favorite movie. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I um, don't know if that's a selling point. But... No, it's it's not. <laughs> but um, I also too, I just I don't like the fact that she keeps bringing up that oh well, Snow White doesn't need a prince in this movie, and she's even at one point said that if they decide to cut the prince, the actor who's playing the prince in this movie's character, it's like oh well, he did he had a good run kind of thing. It's almost like she's bashing women, like women who just you know they're all they want to do is fall in love. And it's like, what's wrong with that? What's- well, I don't, everyone can feel however they want to feel. The, the fact is that you're choosing to be in a film based mm-hmm. on this property that has all these issues. And so, and again, like <clears throat> the goal is, I don't think is to completely like erase the original and replace it with something that is uh, uh, adhering to like, today's moral standards i I don't that's such a fruitless endeavor like the Mm -hmm. original is the original and it exists and it has its own merits and it 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 has to be viewed through the lens of the time in which it was created all movies do i think that's why a lot of you know there's obviously in the last few years there's been an effort to sort of sanitize i think certain unsavory elements of our past mm-hmm. filmically speaking like where you know certain organizations don't want movies like gone with the wind screened or w- whatever like i i understand there's problematic elements to all of this stuff because like they that's the the time period in which they were presented in I so i heard about the gone on the wind gone with the wind thing yeah i wouldn't even get I mean, it's just <laughs> there, there's there's a lot of movie effort to like try to just correct i mean you see movies coming warning labels about you know it's not reflective of our values and things like that. Of course not. Like it, it's not, it doesn't have to be. It, the movie exists on its own as mm-hmm. a, as a, like a, it is an article of its time. Mm-hmm. And, and we can view that through that context and, and learn from it and measure, yeah, how far we've come. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I guess people like to feel better about themselves by thinking that they're so virtuous that, you know, I, I, I will not watch this movie because it's not, uh, aligned with my values well that's your choice that's yeah, fine that's but that's choice. that's also it's not the 
job of the film or the people who own like the rights to that movie to go mm-hmm. back and correct it to match our current values that that's completely fruitless then why don't you just remake everything yeah. constantly every 20 30 years or 50 years or however often there's these epistemic shifts in the way that we think as a, as a culture and hopefully it continues to happen and hopefully it continues to advance the cause of like <laughs> of, of whatever of justice and, and fairness and whatever you know ideals that we have mm-hmm. and hope for but like what does that have to do with me watching you know snow white from 1939 like i it you know has nothing to do with it like i don't when our when our daughter is old enough to watch the movie you know i i would hope that she can watch it and and just enjoy it for its merits it's a cartoon it's a story you know and, and all that and when she's old enough to be able to like start to question or intellectualize certain elements of snow white's character then you know that's our job as as the parents and people who can like help to contextualize a little bit like Hey, this is this is the way that this was depicted in 1939. Let's compare and contrast that to where we are today, mm-hmm. and understand that you know this doesn't have to speak to everything that you believe in. It just it is what it is, and you can enjoy it for that, or not, mm-hmm. or don't enjoy it. But also, you know, just it, you don't have to like go back and change it. You know, it's just like it, movies are meant to be enjoyed. They're not a guidebook or a guide video by any means of how one should be living their lives. No, I I don't. Yeah, I'm not a. <laughs> yeah, I, I they they can reflect the values of the moment that they were created. They don't have to be future proofed. It's not possible mm-hmm. because things are always shifting, and hopefully again for the better. But like you just you can't have that expectation. Definitely not. Um, in any case, uh, <laughs> should we take a break? Yeah, I think so. And then we will return with more Rachel Zegler talk. Um, <laughs> no, probably not. Hopefully not. <laughs> okay, and we're back. So, hi. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all that said, Taylor, like, where do you, where do you think Disney goes from here? Like, what are they going to continue just to use the phrase you've used a couple of times in this podcast, like beating that dead horse, or? <laughs> Are they going to try to revive it somehow? I feel like they need another uh, another renaissance. They do. Yeah, yeah, because like in the 70s, they had a bad run in the 70s, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know too much about that period. I feel like I haven't seen a lot of those movies. What, like the Black that, Cauldron? Like, yeah, and... that was a series of like the Black Cauldron. Um, I think that was when like Robin Hood came out. Um, it was actually, uh, to be honest with you, a lot of my favorite movies came out in that time, like the rescue, uh, rain, rescue rangers. No, that's not the rescuers. Rescuers. That's a completely different thing. Um, yeah. So the rescuers, um, yeah, those movies, um, I, I love those movies for a lot of reasons, but they also came out in a time where it was not a good time for Disney. And that's when they thought that they were actually going to be closing as a company because the movies did not do very well at all. So I feel like they need to have another, um, like I said, renaissance or golden age, I think is what they call it, where it was like The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. Those movies came out and really... Yeah, up until re- like Pocahontas or... Yeah, I think Pocahontas was like the last one. In Hercules, that. which can I just say, I don't know if it's come up before, but <laughs> truly, truly hate Hercules. Daniel like, does not like Hercules. This is not a popular opinion among 
people, particularly in my generation, there's like a weird fondness for this movie. This movie, we should do a we should do a podcast about it just so I can unleash my tirade against this movie, which I think not only is not good, but it might actually be like dangerous. Uh, okay. It's a dangerous movie. Uh, let me just put that out there okay. without saying anything further. You only don't like it because you don't see Hercules as an underdog character. You always it's... shoot for you always root for the underdog. <laughs> oh, I don't want to get into it. I don't yeah. want to but anyway. You brought it up. I did. Um, I was just trying to <laughs> see when when that kind of renaissance era ended. But yeah, I mean I think they they definitely need something. Mm-hmm. Um it's going to be interesting to see what happens like I also, um, just to finish up that thought, I also think that whatever's going to happen with the writer's strike um, and the actor's strike, I think it's going to have a grave effect on what is going to happen with Disney in general. Because depending on what direction Disney decides to go in, whether they start to actually start utilizing AI to create stories... Again, if if this is the caliber they're going for, this is exactly the kind of thing that you would you I've tested like, you know, chat GPT or whatever, mm-hmm. where I I go in and I say, hey, um, I like being John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. Can you come up with a movie idea that's similar to that, but make it set in Dublin and make it involve cats. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You give it some <laughs> weird criteria, but it's pull, it's basing it on, you know, it, it can't create something new. What it can do is like bastardize something that's already been created or or just leverage that to like spit out something that resembles it pretty closely. Mm-hmm. So this is, I think, pretty good approximation of what, um, what AI, <laughs> what AI future might be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the strike is going to have huge implications on on every studio, certainly Disney among them. I just hope that something needs to change, obviously, and I think it starts with and it starts with maybe the budgets, like the reason they're not going to invest money in like original storytelling and and with un, kind of untested talent or artists or whatever storytellers is that there's very little guarantee that they're going to actually make a return on that. Mm -hmm. But that's because they're giving them a hundred million dollars, $200 million. Like if, if the project could be made for 50 million, there's still a risk obviously, Mm -hmm. but the risk isn't as great. So maybe that opens it up to like where you could potentially take some risks and in doing so, that's how you, find those hidden gems mm-hmm. or 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 the next big thing it doesn't have to be like some kind of critical i'm not saying that disney should start getting in the business of like making indie art house fair but like <laughs> just just you know just i'm just pleading do something do different. something new mm-hmm. <laughs> do something yeah it, it, give give someone a chance a new voice like just give it a chance and see what happens don't Rest on your laurels. This is how companies die. Essentially, it's like you're not you're not doing it. You're not moving forward in any way. You're not advancing anything. You're just stuck in this endless loop of recycling uh, the the your past glories, and it's kind of sad, really. Yeah. When you think about it, it's um, like a old man reliving his twenties and his midlife crisis. It's exactly what it's like, 
and there's just it's gonna we're gonna continue to get diminishing returns on these things. I think until until something drastic happens, and I don't know. Do you think it has to come from like the tippy top, like a Bob Iger type, or? Yeah, the vision has to be set by the people who are in charge, who mm-hmm. are like the Bob Iger thing is so interesting. Again, like that article I referenced, definitely recommend reading it. Um, it's like send it to me. I want to read it. There are. He has undoubtedly, like, you know, he did a lot of things for Disney. He was in charge of the Pixar acquisition, the Marvel acquisition, the Lucasfilm acquisition. He's he's built up the company hugely to mm-hmm. to an extent that, you know, maybe wasn't even deemed possible uh, before his tenure started. Like, you know, he took over from Michael Eisner. Mm-hmm. And and the, the kind of what the article gets at here is that, like, well... Not to, we don't, I don't need to get into like the particulars of the situation with Bob Chapek. I think Bob Chapek was like a theme park guy yeah. and he's a business guy. He's an operations guy mm-hmm. who was quite adept at that, but not necessarily like a leader, nor did he have any kind of relationship or understanding of the creative side. And so, um, this is the problem is that it's so difficult for Bob Iger to find someone to replace him because he's essentially created a company in a position that's almost impossible for someone to check every box that's needed. Like yeah. he has made himself almost irreplaceable, yeah. which to some extent, maybe that's by design, but then, you know, realistically the company he's in his seventies. Now the company needs someone to run the ship when he's gone. And I think he's going to, he signed a contract extension until 2025 How and he's it? going to, he wasn't even like like retired from CEO for a year, right? Was no, it? it was it was like twenty. He stepped down right before the pandemic, mm. so like twenty twenty, and then yeah, there was like a three year period where so Chapek was the CEO, but Bob Iger was still uh, like chairman. I think of, mm. the, of I don't know. He he was still heavily involved. He didn't even give up his office. This is this is why <laughs> there was a lot of like political jockeying going on, and I can understand from like. Bob Chapek's perspective, why he would be um, perturbed by this. And, yeah. and especially when everyone who was at the top in those positions at Disney, all the executive suite was like full of uh, Iger loyalists because he's the one who put them there. So it's a really interesting. It sounds like a succession situation. It's a hundred percent is. It's very much succession. It's all politics and, and it's, um, it's fascinating, but like, yeah, there's something something to miss up there mm-hmm. at the top and, and it's like, reflecting in the movie for sure you know they obviously they there's an old saying which is appropriate for for this little mermaid podcast that a fish rots from the head down well <laughs> something's rotten up up at the top uh over there and and yeah so it has to get it has to get remedied i mean unless mm-hmm. the unless the end goal is like for disney to just sell to apple or or you know if if apple's even interested in that i mean maybe I don't know. Yeah, and it used there, to be it used to be that people would say that you know Disney's going to over like rule the world at one point. They certainly, yeah, at one point, but now they've they've definitely faltered a little bit over the yeah. last few years. I mean, just even just their stock prices and and everything. It's mm-hmm. all reflective of of these problems that they're facing. Yeah. So I guess then, yeah, if I were to ask you the same question you asked me uh, when we came back from break, like, do you think that? A, a renaissance is something that they is the thing that needs it in order for that Disney to change to get back to where they were or what are your thoughts on that yeah they definitely need they on the movie side I mean Disney's so big but like talking strictly about their movies I think they need to it's easier said than done of course they need a renaissance like they need 
good movies. Mm -hmm. That's basically it. Even like it sounds so simple. Obviously, it's it's very very much not. Yeah. But I think what also would help is just slowing down and not slowing down. Just again, not not having four Marvel movies a year plus three supplemental TV shows that you have to watch in order to get the whole story and mm-hmm. not it's just let's just relax on that stuff and then i mean they're doing snow white mm-hmm. they're doing moana are they doing a live action princess and the frog or they haven't announced that yet i think they i think it's in the works and i think that like they release like what their ideas of casting would be mm. and they also oh and uh apparently florence Pugh is the number one pick for live action rapunzel <sighs> and zachary levi has said that he would like to volunteer to play live action flynn rider i'm sure he would i I, (laughs) they i'm sure they'll keep on doing these things these live action remakes but i don't know i i don't there's no easy solutions obviously if there were this wouldn't be such a big problem. Yeah. Certainly, I wouldn't be able to think of one sitting here. We, we certainly wouldn't have turned but, um, this move, this uh, podcast about the Lumber Marine into like this kind of topic. The, the reason, yeah, because there's nothing to say. Again, I said at the beginning, and I told you this last night. Like, I'm not going to have a lot to say about this movie because it's just not very. There's not. There's not much to it. Yeah. It's it's. I don't even want to say it's a movie because it's based on a movie, in my opinion. Like, it's a movie. But I just don't understand how they were took out so much from the original and yet still made this movie like two hours and right? 15 minutes. This movie is two hours and 20 minutes. And it's like, where is that extra time going? Where is that extra money going? I don't understand. Yeah. I, I really don't. And so, yeah, it's it's a little bit disheartening. But um, I mean, that's just a, the Disney problem, right? I think on the whole... It's an exciting time for movies. Uh, yeah, I mean, we uh, just know, came. We just came off of Barbenheimer. Yeah, I mean, Barbenheimer. That that is a phenomenon and, and something that again, I think it might be a kind of a, a you know a movie event of a lifetime kind of thing in its way. Um, but even beyond that, I think there's a lot of cool stuff coming out. Like I, you know, hearing hearing reactions from people from from Venice, Venice Film Festival, from Toronto Film Festival, and, and Telluride. There's like there's a lot of stuff that's coming out that I'm excited to see that mm-hmm. we're excited to talk about on this podcast as we continue both to go to the movies, but then also you know in in this series you know watch stuff as it comes out at home and whatnot. So like I know I'm not we we wanted to do Little Mermaid because it's a big movie. Um, you're a big fan of the source material. Well, not the Hans Christian Andersen. I don't know how you feel about that, but. Uh, at least of the, of the Anderson, yeah, of the of the Disney uh, animated film, and so, you know, we did that. We're gonna do Eternals, Eternals. God, <laughs> please no. <laughs> no Eternals. That, no. I watched maybe an hour of Eternals and I couldn't I get fell through asleep. it. Which is man, that was bad. Um, no, no we're Elementals. Watch, we're, gonna watch, um, we're gonna watch Elementals. Um, that's the next. I think that's gonna be our next. Uh, shall we watch? Um, I think our next one ticket force. It's been a little while since either of us have been to the theaters because yeah, life just kind of happened in this yeah. last few weeks um i think that our next one's going to be a haunting in venice yeah yeah the hercule poirot i'm very excited about that i love those movies They're just yeah so i like the first one um the death on the nile was strange I, I it, was, it. it was okay i guess I so. but that looks good yeah mm-hmm. and then there's obviously a whole bunch of stuff coming out uh 
close out the year. And so I have like a whole list of like what we were talking about watching and even more so um, I think we even mentioned it before the one of the first times we did one of these shall we watch um, extensions, which by the way, let us know what you guys think of this, of having the episodes where we're talking about movies that we watch from home. If you like that, it's called shall we watch an extension of the one ticket for podcast because quite honestly like we originally thought that you know we were just going to do one ticket for and it was just going to be about us going to the movies obviously it was proving a little bit of a challenge and we wanted to you know talk about movies that we have access to at home whether that is new movies that are just hitting the streaming services or they're older movies which we haven't really talked about older movies any older movies just yet but they're definitely on our list so just an excuse to rewatch movies that we love or like maybe even like ones that we haven't seen mm-hmm. and then talk about them. I, yeah. Any excuse to do that is, I think to your, yeah, to your point, like there, cause I, I brought up that maybe it's a little confusing to have, you know, the two different names for the episodes, depending on like whether it's a home viewing thing or a theater viewing thing, but maybe I'm, maybe it's not, I, I don't know. I think it just makes more sense than having two separate podcasts. Oh, we, we're not going to have two. Yeah. The, the idea would be to just, have one and to have that title be to, to have it encapsulate every scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, this is absolutely a non sequitur, but I just noticed there is a chocolate right there. One of those, like, you know, those chocolates that they sell at Costco, like at, during the holidays. The chocolate with, liqueurs. There, I, there, that has been <laughs> sitting there since December. Oh my that's, God. I, I can't even believe that's there and it's not melted. Wow. At least not from this perspective. Anyways. And this room gets hot. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy that I'm seeing That's insane, that. That's insane. But yeah, there's a little... anyways, yeah. So we do have a quite a long list of movies um, that we're going to be watching in theaters. Uh, we said Haunting in Venice is probably going to be our next one. Um, Poor Things is another one that's going to be coming out relatively soon, right? I'm not sure even when it's coming out, but it's definitely made waves uh, from the festival circuit. And I'm very excited. I'm a huge Yorgos Lanthimos fan. All the way back to Dogtooth, which is a movie that I think we should. I think leading up to Poor Things, we should maybe do a little bit of a retrospective on Yorgos Lanthimos. Not necessarily like per episode, but maybe we just watch a bunch of his movies and then talk about them on one episode, including Dogtooth. Okay. Which I, I love. Dogtooth, you know, The Lobster, Killing of a Sacred Deer, uh, The Favorites. This, All this, those other movies I'm fine with. I actually love The Favorites. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. If you guys don't know what Dogtooth is about, well, I guess you're going to have to find out when we do this episode eventually. <laughs> yeah. So um, we also have Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to be good. The new Exorcist sequel. What's that one called? The Exorcist Believe. Believe. Um, or is it Believer? I don't remember. I just put, I just put Exorcist on this list. Yeah. <laughs> um, Five Nights at Freddy's, which I'm excited about because I think it's just going to be a dumb, fun, good time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then Dune Part Two, Holdovers, um, Napoleon. Whenever that. Well, comes Dune out. Part Two got delayed. Mm-hmm. Napoleon uh, also got delayed. I think. Too, I don't right? know if it has yet. Napoleon might still be on track for this year. Um, Disney's Wish, which that actually looks like it's going to well, be like an original story. I think the animation in it looks kind of cool. It's a little different than this their computer animation that they've been doing lately. Um, kind of almost has like a Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse kind of vibe. Mm, which is another one. We we actually never even watched, um, was it Across the Spider-Verse or is that the first one? Into the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse was the, was the first one. This is Across the oh, Spider-Verse. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, so that, um, yeah, that no, we have a lot watch. of them. Uh, Wonka is another one that we're going to see in theaters. I mean, mm, yeah, but at mm. home, Spider-Verse is one of them. Um, we were going to watch um, 
Nimona, the uh, animated TV, uh, movie on Netflix. Um, we were going to watch a movie called Sorcerer that Daniel has been trying to get me to watch for <laughs> a long time now. It's a William Friedkin uh, movie. Um, if you're not familiar, William Friedkin is actually the director of the original Exorcist. Yeah, French Connection. He's fantastic. That movie is incredible. I yeah, and we should definitely watch it and do an episode on it. Yeah, and this list is going to go on and on. I want to get Daniel to watch um, Dead again. So. Yeah, and definitely, you know, if people have suggestions on things we should watch, it we actually got a suggestion. If we had uh, dinner with a couple of friends a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, and they uh, suggested a movie that we watch, uh, The Blackening, which you yeah. know I think we can also put on the list. I haven't seen it. I think it's it's on VOD, like you know, it's to purchase mm-hmm. rental. So you know, we can. You can maybe look into doing that as well. Um, but yeah, if you if there's any movies out there yeah, that are newer, older, that you guys want us to watch and then talk about on a Shall We Watch podcast, or even if there's a movie coming out in theaters that we hadn't mentioned that we that you think we should watch when it does come out, just let us know. Leave a comment or send us a, a DM on our Instagram page. Um, remember to follow us on Instagram on one ticket, the number four podcast. Uh, the link will be in the description on the podcast as well, too. Yeah, lots of lots of fun stuff happening. And I'm just really happy that, you know, that at least I feel more comfortable enough doing this podcast with some better audio quality. Um, since we came back from our break, we actually listened to a couple of the recordings that we did just recently in this podcast. And I think it sounds great. So I'm very <laughs> well, excited. It's a work in progress. I'll just say in, in terms of, you know, maybe there's some slight uh, variations throughout because we're kind of uh, I'm bobbing my head a little yeah, bit. I mean, <laughs> me too. It's... But there's no hissing. There's no in the background. I, I mean, I might have been doing it a little bit myself. Just Was to, it you the whole time? Well, <laughs> just for the sake of nostalgia, you know, the listeners want classic mm. one ticket for just like Disney wants classic whatever. This is a strained uh, <laughs> analogy that I'm, I'm going to stop. Yeah. Also, no, normally with a shot we watch, we haven't really been doing like cocktails or anything, but Daniel just whipped up like some, what the heck did you even whip up? It was a, this is just and... just a, a really quick and dirty Moscow Mule. Dirty because I didn't wash the cups before uh, I I made them, and and quick because you know. It's so it's a so make. it's a poor man's Moscow Mule. Yeah, I don't know if there's yeah, yeah. I I would say so. It's with some Great. it's with some really not good zero sugar ginger beer. Um, well, it just has a strange taste. Like I, I can tell there's something amiss with it, Mm. but that's fine. I mean, I wasn't going to bring it up until you just did, but yeah, it's definitely, (laughs) I've, I've been drinking it dutifully, but I'm cutting out a lot of sugar from my diets and I wanted to have some ginger beer to make a cocktail at one point. Yeah. It's been sitting there for a while. It has. has I don't know how old it is. Somehow it's flat. I don't. I don't know. Why is it flat? I, I open, Why is it flat? Well, I just... G- ginger beer is not typically flat. It's been for, I think, like what, a month. What is age? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it has something to do with it. I guess we'll see. We'll see if what we, happens. Uh, if we do another podcast episode, you know we survived the uh, the flat, ginger, sugar-free ginger beer. I think we should re-record The Pope's Exorcist. You think so? Yeah. I you think... know, maybe. No. I, I was... <laughs> <laughs> Although much better than the Little Mermaid, you might be right. <laughs> the Pope's Exorcist was much better than the Little yeah, Mermaid. Yeah, I think now looking back on it, I think I actually enjoyed that movie more than I enjoyed 
Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, definitely. If you have a choice, definitely watch the Pope's Exorcist. You're going to see Russell Crowe riding a moped across Europe. In under two minutes, by the way. Yeah. And he's very efficient with his moped. Also, he uh, has a very funny Italian accent in the movie. Yes. That's great. Maybe we will record that episode. Maybe. Maybe. I don't think so. Speaking of Russell Crowe, this is, again, absolutely not a non sequitur, but like, did you, have you seen this thing going on around TikTok where like, apparently a lot of men spend a lot of time thinking about the Roman Empire? What? I saw this earlier this morning and I thought to myself, I don't know if I ever think about the Roman Empire. Why? Apparently men just be thinking about the Roman Empire a lot. If you're someone who identifies as a man, please let us know if you're constantly <laughs> thinking about the Roman Empire. And if so, please also put why. In what context? Like, well, I, I didn't understand. <laughs> why was this even presented? Like, just, I, I don't, I don't think about the Roman Empire hard like ever. I mean, maybe I, if I'm I, watching I, the, the Gladiator or Rome. Well, yeah, I know a lot of men really loved uh, 300 when that came out. That's not about. Isn't 300 like the Greeks and the Persians? Well, I mean, it's part. I, I don't know, honestly. Yeah, I don't remember. it's not Rome. I never saw that movie or, or read the comic you book. You never saw 300? No. I don't. I, can I tell you, I do not like Zack Snyder. I don't like any of his movies. I forgot that's a snack. Again, Zack I. <laughs> No, I haven't seen that movie, so I can't even oh, judge that it. But makes like, so much sense. Man. There's not. I'm not a particular fan of his work, and so. Oh, yeah. I didn't like the movie at all when I watched it. There was also like when the movie came out, it was just such a big thing, especially like you know, I was like 16, 17, I think. I don't even remember how old I was, but like I was around there, and man, all the all the guys at the school, like all my friends, oh, this is so good. It was like you know, I don't. I let how me. Many? I just want to let's let me watch when Harry met Sally. I don't care about. How many, how many groups of like teenage boys were in your high school like shouting like this is Sparta? Yeah, all of I hate it. Yeah. I I just it's this like mentality of the herd where mm-hmm. something just catches and then everyone's about it. And I'm like, you know, can we have a little bit of just you can be an individual and you don't have to necessarily like just subscribe to something because it is of the moment. Anyways. Yeah. Never saw 300, <laughs> not about Rome, completely not a, at all <laughs> about yeah. what we're talking about. But anyways, if you're out there thinking about Rome, just know you're not alone. Yeah, I'm not with you, but there apparently <laughs> are other men that are. I get Roman empires and Greek mythology like mixed up all the time, honestly. Hmm. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> so don't ever ask me about them. <laughs> anyways, I think we can uh, go ahead and wrap up this episode. Yep, I think so. It was right. good to be back. It's good to talk to you again, um, Taylor. I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to the next time we record so that we can speak again. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we'll be going on. Me too. Yeah. Nice talking to you as well. Um, you look yeah. good. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, you need a haircut. <laughs> I know I do. I know. I really do. I wanted to go today, but um, that just wasn't in the cards, I guess. No. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, again, make sure to follow the podcast of I don't even know what you do on pod, on Spotify or Apple. I really should know so that way I can properly tell you how to, um, you know, subscribe, be up to date on whenever we have new episodes launching, things like that. Um, but also make sure to follow us on Instagram and on threads. We now have a threads account, which I will be 
posting more often when we have new episodes coming up. And yeah, if you guys, again, have any suggestions for movies that you want us to talk about on the podcast, uh, send us a DM or even just like tag us on any of the social platforms or what you want us to watch. Yeah, or just stick your head out the window and yell it. We might hear. Yeah. You don't know. <laughs> Makes me think of that episode of The Simpsons where Homer goes and he's like, Mel House, what? Tell Bart to come home. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. <laughs> what did he say next? He's like, I think he's a Nelson. <laughs> Who's Nelson? <laughs> All right. All righty. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.